So let's go right into God's word. I want to share something that God has laid in my heart for uh, this week. Um, there's a passage that Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. When a scribe comes to him and asks, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment of all? And uh, Jesus takes this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and he speaks about it and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 22 verse 37. Jesus said like this, the greatest commandment is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And he go, went, goes on to say that this is the first and the greatest commandment. First and the greatest commandment. Let me put that verse for you on screen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So this 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 passage is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, where it talks about where Moses tells the people that they should love God with all their heart, soul, and with all their strength. And as we look at this verse, you know, as we look at this verse, we are reminded of this fundamental duty that we have. We are reminded of this fundamental duty that we have to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. When you think of our life in this world, you know, in this world we live, there is a constant fight for space and dominance in our heart and mind. There's, there's a constant fight. There are certain things that fights for dominance in our life. The flesh is constantly fighting. And that is why there is always a possibility for us to fall. There is always a possibility for us to fail. And as long as we are in this world, the flesh and the spirit is against war with each other. They are on war, constant war mode. You know, the, the, the war never stops. There's a fight for space and dominance in our life. That is why we can easily get distracted by the things that we see sometimes in this world or the things that we can experience. And sometimes as we, as we get distracted and, you know, take, as we are taken away by all the temptations, our love and devotion to God might seem like a, a secondary activity. But what God truly desires from your life and my life is that we love him above all else. That we keep him as the highest priority of our life. Amen. That we are called. We are called to love Jesus with everything that we have. See, it would be hard to call ourselves Christian, Christians yet have no love for the Lord. When God brought Israel out of the land of Egypt and as he was taking them to the promised land, he gave them this command through Moses saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. God gave them this command to remind the people that their religious devotion does not only consist of practices, traditions, festivals, but it consists of a fundamental duty to love God first. See, loving God comes as the first thing, beyond the worship that you can lead, beyond the songs that you can sing, beyond the way in which you can serve God, what is fundamental and what is the first requirement for any Christian is to love God with everything that we have. Because if you, if you look at human beings, if you look at us, if, if you look at uh, you know, our life, as human beings, it's so easy to follow traditions, 
it's so easy to maintain religious practices it's so easy to just celebrate that you know the, the those festivals it's so easy to maintain a tradition but when it comes to following christ it is beyond all of that following christ is first and foremost about loving him with everything that we have loving him with everything that we have the human tendency is that it can follow traditions it can follow routines it can follow rituals it can it can uh, have these religious practices but what god requires from us is that we love him first we love him first our service and our devotion to god should be out of love towards him which means we have to worship him why not because the music is great not because the songs are good we have to worship him because we love him which means you know we have to read his word not because it is a routine for us not because you know sometimes people read the word of god because if their routine changes you know they kind of feel disturbed sometimes people read the word of god just to get those promise verses but it goes beyond all that we read the word of god you know why because we love jesus that is what god expects god also expects that you know beyond serving people before even getting on stage or before even serving people in any capacity we have to learn to love him because out of the love that we have for him everything must flow our worship should come out of the love that we have for him reading of the word should come out of the love that we have for him and even serving people should come out of the love that we have for Jesus when we take out this love that we have for god our worship will just become a lip service reading of god's word will just become like reading another book but when you add the love for god and then do everything everything that you do for the lord worship reading of his word prayer time will become so much more enjoyable I want you I want to take you through this passage in Matthew chapter 22 and explain to you what does it mean to love God with our heart what does it mean to love God with our soul and what does it mean to love him with our mind and then finally I'm going to talk about why is it difficult for us to do these three things though they look simple though they look easy why do we struggle with these things and I'm going to speak about it and I'm going to give some reasons from a spiritual uh, warfare perspective so please continue to listen to us and uh, take take down notes uh, uh, jot down the verses that i'm going to uh, share with you because i believe this is something that everyone needs even i need you know this is basic this is fundamental but i always like to go through these things just to remind remind myself that loving god is the greatest priority you look at what jesus tells the church at ephesus i like everything that you do you are your service you know your perseverance your your facing persecution with boldness and courage I, everything is fine all things are great but you have left the love you had at first and jesus goes on to say do the things you did at first or else i'll take the lamp stand from its place in other words i'll take you remove you out of your place and if you look at the church at ephesus and you look at the history of it historians and scholars say that it it looks like the church never really went back to the roots never really did what jesus want them to do and as a result the church was removed church stopped functioning in the city of ephesus god is very 
clear with his commands and he desires that we love him with everything that we have that our love for god is primary amen amen so i want to i want to share with you how we can love god with our heart soul and mind and what does it mean to love god with our heart soul and mind let's turn to matthew chapter 22 matthew 22 verse 37 to 40 says like this you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind let's look at the first thing here the bible speaks about the heart here loving god with all our heart with all your heart let's talk about the heart now the word heart is specifically used and the heart is specifically mentioned for a reason if you look at the heart heart is a seed of your will of your desires of your passions your affections and your thoughts and if you look at what proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this is a passage that most of you may know by heart it says like this above all else guard your heart and in the esv translation it says like this keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life in the uh, i believe in the nlt or nkjv it says for everything you do flows from it your heart is the place where you make a lot of decisions your heart is the place where you develop affections for people your heart is the place where your desires are stored so if your desires have a bank or locker or a, or a place to be stored it is your heart it is your heart where the desires are stored and heart is also the place where a lot of thoughts take place you know it's it's a thought factory If you look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5:28, he says, "But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart." So, heart is where a lot of thoughts, fantasies, everything goes on. All our imaginations, our thoughts and emotions, our will and our desires are contained in the heart. So when the bible tells us when god tells us that you have to love god with all your heart this is what it means this is what it means first love god with your will what this tells us is that our love for god has to be intentional and not an accident our love for god has to be intentional it's not like we wake up one morning and we feel like oh today i love jesus and i and i just want to worship him and some day we'll wake up and won't even feel like opening the bible that's not that's not love when god says love me with your heart it means to use your will which means you've got to be intentional you've got to be committed because in life you know some days you won't feel like praying let me be honest with you some days you won't feel like worshiping god but what god desires from you and me is that whether we feel like it or not we should be committed in our love to him in our love to him and that is why jesus is saying love your god with all your heart in other words our love should be intentional it should be a commitment towards him you know some days when we go to a good worship service or when we listen to a good sermon our passion for god will grow and then as we go through life you know that passion will slowly die off and then one day we'd come back to church listen to a nice sermon or participate in good worship you know somehow you know that love will be rekindled again that's not the kind of love that god expects what god expects is that you love him 
no matter what happens in your life that you love him constantly that your love should be committed one it should be an intentional one for those of you who are married you know if you wake up one day and you say oh tell your wife or your spouse oh i love you and i and i'm so glad i married you and the next day you wake up and say i don't know why i married you <laughs> you know your life is going to be hell <laughs> you just cannot say that because your commitment to loving a person cannot change on a day to day basis and what god expects is that you and i love him intentionally you know express our love to him intentionally in a committed way every single day amen and so the heart also contains our desires and what god desires for us is that you know just as psalm says in psalm uh, 41 verse 2 as a deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you oh god god desires that we desire him god wants that we desire him if there is something that should be our greatest desire it should not be success in our jobs or in you know in life i'm not saying it's a bad thing but our primary desire has to be god and that is what god expects from our life and that is what god means to say love him with all your heart which means jesus has to be our greatest desire The next thing is love God with all your heart also means that we have to be passionate about him we have to be passionate about him see when you're passionate about something you always keep thinking about it and you always keep working towards it you know so that you can grow in that even more or you can accomplish something in that even more when you're passionate about it it keeps driving you to do certain things uh that you are doing with much greater uh you know with with a better in a more creative way in a way that will motivate you every day passions can keep you alive and you know, keep you motivated keep you going no matter what happens and what god desires is that we be passionate about him and when you are passionate about him i tell you worshiping him will be just an outflow of that and also god ex- expects that we have affections for him that we adore him every day that we get up in the morning that we sit down in a time of prayer and just start adoring him expressing our affections towards him and telling him how marvelous how wonderful he is and also when god says love him with all love him with all our heart it means to have thoughts about him our thoughts should be about jesus our thoughts should be about his word our mind and our heart should be filled with his word you see when you take the word of god out of your life our heart and mind will start to manufacture thoughts that we wouldn't like to share with anyone what god desires is that our heart and mind be filled with thoughts about him so that is what god means to say that that we should love him with all our heart you look at what psalmist psalmist says in psalm 16 verse 8 okay i missed this verse psalm 16 verse 8 says like this i keep my eyes always on the lord with him at my right hand i will not be shaken you see what he's saying i always keep my eyes on the lord with him at my right hand i will not be shaken everything in our life should be involved our will our desires our passions our thoughts our affections everything should be involved it is then we can love god with all our heart jesus says love the lord your god with all 
your heart. It means it's a complete package. Loving him with everything, with our desires, with our will, affections, thoughts. Every part of our heart should fall in love with Jesus. Let's go to the second one. Loving God with all our soul. I'm quickly going to go through this because I want to get to the main part of the sermon. And uh, this is also part of the main part of the sermon. But I want to get to the main point. Loving God with all our soul. Let's talk about this. If you look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says like this, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. What you see happening here is that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and then breathed into him and then he became a living being. The word there that is used for living being is the word soul. So God formed us and then he breathed into us and then we have the soul in us. We became a living being. When a person is dead, you know, they will say the soul has departed. You know, he has no more breath in him. I want you to understand this carefully. Otherwise, you may miss something profound here. God breathed into our nostrils the breath of life and we became a living being. And the word that is used for that is the word soul. So think of this. God formed the outer body of the man and breathed into him and he became a living soul. So if a soul were to leave a man's body, he will be dead. Body is the outer shell, whereas soul is the one that gives life. Kind of like you see the car, you see a car, it has a body, it looks great. But if there is no engine, it is of no use. So our soul is like the engine of the body that gives us life, that drives us and helps us do the things that we desire to do. So listen to this carefully. Body is the outer shell, but our soul is the one that gives our personality, our character, our attributes and everything else. Soul is a life of our body. Let me say this one more time. Body is the outer shell, but soul is what gives you the personality, the character, your attributes and everything else that is in your life. So soul is like the life of your body. And soul is part of your human nature that gives you an ability to have desires, gives you your personality or uniqueness and also gives you your conscious self. It also gives you your emotional state. And if you look at the soul very specifically in Psalm 84 verse 2, Psalmist says like this, my soul earns, listen to this carefully, my soul earns, even faints for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out from the living God. Now listen to this carefully, because the soul came from the Lord, because soul came from God, the soul also desires to connect with the Lord. So for every human being on this earth, they have this longing to connect with something that is bigger than them. And that is why we see human beings going after something that is greater than them. Some will run to mystical powers to connect with something greater than them. Some will come to the true God Yahweh, revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. The soul that we have in our body is the thing that longs for the Lord. That longs for the Lord. So think of soul. Think of soul in the context of love. If you look at Song of Solomon chapter 3 verse 4, he says like this, Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him 
and I would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house, into the chamber of her who conceived me. Listen to this passage. It says like this, I found him whom my soul loves. See, when you meet someone wonderful, when you meet someone who is so amazing that you just can't stop thinking about them, your personality, in other words, your soul falls in love with them. That is why you might hear this statement saying, Oh, all of me loves you. I love you with everything I am and I love you with every part of me. These are common sentences that describe love to another person. And this kind of love is something that comes from deep within. Something intimate, something so special, something profound, something beyond what words can express. And when you love a person with all your soul, that is when you can love someone truly. You cannot describe it in words, but every part of you, your Every part of you loves them. So when the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your soul, this is what it means. Love him with all that you are. Love him with every part of you. Love him with everything you are. Let me say that again. Love him with all that you are. Love him with every part of you. And love him with everything you are. This is a love that is deep within deep within your soul that you know when you begin to love a person deeply your personality will change in a way that pleases them so when you when you like a person when you see a girl or a guy and you like them you will change your personality in a way just so that it becomes more pleasing to them let me ask you this question in the context of loving god with all our soul have you ever fallen in love, fallen in love with God in such a way that it changes your personality? Have you ever fallen in love with God in such a way that it has caused you to change your habits? Have you ever fallen in love with, with God in such a way that it caused you to hate sin? Have you ever fallen in love with God in such a way that it causes you to despise your old life? If the answer is yes, then you have loved God with all your soul. But if the answer is no, then you have not loved Him with all your soul. When you begin to love God with everything you are, everything that you have, there is a change of personality that takes place. You look at your past life and you begin to despise it. You're like, I can't believe I said those things. I can't believe I do those things. When you look at your old habits and when you begin to despise it, you're disgusted by it. Oh, I can't believe I was doing those things. You know, when you see those things happening in your life, that's a sign that your soul is now involved in loving the Lord. See, unfortunately, today we have so many Christians who carry the name of Christ but are nothing like Christ. It is because they know Christ but have not fallen in love with Jesus with all their soul. With all their soul. And I pray the church that we would be a generation, people that falls in love with God, with all our soul. That there will be changes in us. That people will look at us and say, hey, you're, 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 you're different, you know, you're not the same person. You're, you're, 
another person i met a couple of years ago you're so much more different i mean where is your anger you've become calm you've become patient you know you're become you've become soft spoken what is what is this happening in your life you know when that happens that's a sign that you are loving god with your soul but if that changes if the change has not happened if our character has not changed if our personality has not changed that's a sign that something isn't right and i pray that we will learn to love god with all our soul third one i want to go to this passage third one it says love god with your mind love god with your mind let me quickly talk about this the greek word for mind is dianoia dianoia or mind mind is a seat of reasoning mind is a seat of understanding and also the seat of intellect in a human being so when jesus says this i want to share this very in a in a very concise form when jesus says love god with all your mind he is inviting us to find out how amazing he is by using the power of our reasoning by using our understanding and our intellect we're using the power of our reasoning understanding and intellect as we read this verse it tells us something that are that some important truths about christianity see christianity is not a blind belief system it's not a blind belief system it's not a system of belief where you have to believe because everyone is believing no you don't have to christianity is a system of belief where you can know who god is using your mind using your reasoning power and using your intellect using your intellect there are there are a group of people called agnostics who believe god exists they believe god does exist but we cannot know him they believe god exists but he cannot be known by man but when we read this verse it breaks all such thinking and informs us that we can know god through our reasoning through our understanding and through our intellect and here's something that i've always observed and i've seen anyone who goes in search of the true god will land up finding jesus anyone who goes in search of the true god who is you know genuinely searching with all their heart to find who the true god is will end up finding jesus because there are more materials in this world that talks about him than anyone else than anyone else i've met people personally people in the church also who have gone to different libraries study different religious books spend a couple of months trying to analyze and they've come and told me there is nothing like christianity there is nothing like jesus there is no one like jesus you know why because god invites us he says use your mind use your intellectual ability use your reasoning capacity to learn more about me because the more you learn more about me you will fall in love with me there's a story that a very famous journalist called lee strobel he and his wife were atheists but one day after an incident after a sudden incident happened his wife came to christ and this man couldn't just take it that his wife has turned to christ and so he set out to find evidence against christianity to just to prove that christianity is false and here's what happened here's what happened and there is a movie that is made about his life you can watch about uh watch this story 
he set out to find evidence that Christianity is false, but finally he came to a point where he realized there is so much of evidence to tell that Christianity is true. And finally, this man came to Christ. He came to Jesus. He's a very famous uh, author. You can look him up on YouTube or Google or anywhere. Lee Strobel is his name. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But in your hearts, rever Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You see, this is a clear command for all of us as Christians to give an answer for the belief that we have. And so to, to give an answer, we've got to be prepared. We've, we've got to study. We've got to look at history. We've got to look at what other scholars, historians have to say. And when you do all of that, what you're doing is that you're demonstrating your love for God. You're using your mind to love God with all that you have. I don't know if you understand the importance of this command. Quite often I hear this that, and I see this, many are, not inter- many are not interested in studying the word of God or thinking about God, but rather all they want is to know what can God do for them. That's a very selfish life, I would say, because that's not the Christian life. Christian life is not about what can God do for me. It's not just about that. Of course, God does great things for us. He's always there for us. He does some amazing things in our life, but it just doesn't end there. It goes on to another step where we say, what can I do for the Lord? What can I, how can I serve Him? How can I be of a use to Him? What God desires from our life is that we love Him with all our mind. But if we do not do this, if we do not learn to love God with all our mind, we will always be standing on a very weak ground. Because when we do not love God with our mind, we will not know more about Him. And when we do not know more about Him, Anybody can deceive us. Anybody can, can turn our attention in the wrong direction. So three things we saw. Loving God with our heart, soul and our mind. Now, three things. These are very familiar things to us. But in spite of knowing all these things, have you ever wondered why? Have you ever wondered why it is so difficult to, you know, be consistent in our love for God with everything we have? Have you ever wondered why we are unable to maintain this love for God that we have. Why is it difficult for us to love Him with our heart, soul and mind? I want to share with you a couple of reasons from a spiritual warfare perspective. Since we are doing a study on demonology and spiritual warfare, I'd like to connect those two, these two subjects and talk to you about it. And I want to give you certain reasons. Here's what happens. The enemy, Satan, the devil, is our adversary. And he is always planning an attack against everyone who believes in Christ. Again, everyone against everyone who follows Christ. And what he does is this. Before he attacks you, he will do a research on you. He will learn about your strengths, your weakness. He will learn about the things you possess. He will learn about your weak points and then launch an attack on you. If you read the life of Job, that is what Satan did. In Job chapter 1 verse 7, we see the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. So God asks Satan something. From where have you come? And anytime God asks this question, he knows what Satan was up to. 
But Satan here gives a very vague answer. And in verse 8, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Job? And observe Satan's answer here. In, in, in verse 10, in verse 10, Satan answered and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? And verse 10, Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his positions and have increased the land. Notice what's happening here. Satan has studied Job, researched about Job, has analyzed Job. See, he has analyzed and seen how much God has blessed him. He has seen the hedge, the protection that God has put over his house, put over Job's house. You see what's happening here. God asks Satan, have you considered my servant Job? If you look at the word considered, it tells us something. The word considered also means three other things. The word considered means look, mark or rehearse. Look, mark or rehearse. All of this tells us that Satan has gone about looking for Job to attack him. He has made him a target and then he would have rehearsed a plan to attack him. See, the enemy is working 24-7 to derail your relationship with the Lord. Many times we are just not aware of this. I want you to understand, church, what's happening here. There are a lot of things that are happening in the spiritual realm that we may not understand it at all times, nor may not see it at all times. The enemy studies your life and is always prepared to attack you. And if you're a child of God, if you're following his ways, then he has put a mark over your life to destroy you completely. So once he has planned an attack, he waits for the right opportunity. Right opportunity. If you look at Luke chapter 4 verse 13, it says like this, And when the devil had ended every temptation, this is with Jesus, he departed from him till an opportune time. He waits for that time. He waits for that time. So the devil left Jesus until an opportune time. He waits for that opportunity to launch a full-scale attack. launch a full scale attack but listen to this carefully before before he gets into a full attack mode here's what he does he will send some small rockets and i would call that fear or some sort of a minor attack that will constantly keep coming to us it will keep getting bombarded with some thoughts which will eventually make us weak and vulnerable and all those small attacks will build us for a much bigger attack will prepare us for a much bigger attack here's what he does and these are three things that happens often in the christian life and these are three reasons why we fail to love god with everything that we have the first thing is this the enemy will send arrows he will constantly bombard us with fearful thoughts and you have to be careful when fearful thoughts come into your life it is the enemy sending small attacks so that he can make you more vulnerable to launch a big full scale attack listen to this carefully if you look at what job said in job chapter 3 was 25 to 26 he says for the thing that i fear comes upon me and what i dread befalls me You see what he's saying. You see what he's saying. For the thing that I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. This is after he faced those destructions, loss of life, loss of property. 
And as you read this verse, it is quite obvious that Job would have had this fear that probably I'm going to lose everything that I have. Job might have had this fear that probably I may lose my children. See, fear has a way of penetrating into our life where we will end up thinking over it over and over again. And as we think about it over and over again, we will grow weak. And fear about all these things can haunt us every day to a point where we can become mentally weak and which will slowly lead us to a point where the trust in God becomes weak. And when the trust in God becomes weak, when our trust in God becomes weak, it will become difficult to pray. And when prayer grows weak, you will lose the joy of meditating on his word. You see how that attack starts? Starts with the fear. Fear will cause you to lose the trust you have in God. And when the trust goes, you won't feel like praying. And when prayer leaves, you won't have the joy of reading his word. So when all these things grow, what happens is you become vulnerable to attacks. I want you to understand that there is a reason why we are not able to keep our commitment to the Lord in a very consistent manner. The enemy is bombarding us with arrows of fear. And sadly, we are allowing fear to remain in our life. The moment we experience a certain kind of fear, the moment we have a certain kind of fear, immediately we have to take that in prayer and say, Lord, rescue me out of this fear. Because it may seem small to you, but eventually, eventually it is going to destroy your trust in the Lord. Don't take fear too lightly. The Bible says, fear does not come from the Lord. God does not give us the spirit of fear. Fear does not originate from the Lord. But it is the enemy who sends fear so that we, we become weak and vulnerable so that he can launch his full-scale attack. This is one of the reasons why we are constantly failing in our relationship with the Lord. We are bombarded by fearful thoughts. Second, I'm looking at the time, I just have a few minutes and I want to finish with a word of prayer for you. Second, thing, second reason why we are unable to follow God with everything that we have is this. We are constantly bombarded by thoughts that will make you worry about the future. Constantly bombarded by thoughts that will make you worry about the future. See, all of us as human beings desire to have a secure life, a secure future. But then thoughts will come to us. I don't have enough savings. I wonder how will I meet my needs once I grow old and I'm not able to work and earn. And this sort of a constant worry about the future will cause you to move away from God's will. Years ago, I remember this happened to me where, you know, there was something that I was doing and... Uh, all of a sudden this thought came, how am I going to, you know, meet the expenses? And as a result, you know, I gave into that worry. I was, I was kind of very anxious. And eventually I ended up doing something that caused even greater loss. God was leading me in the right direction. But when worry hit me, I turned the other way. Worry will cause you to fall away from God's will. Worry will cause you to just take that wrong turn. Worry will cause you to turn back and look when God says don't look, keep going. Worry will cause you to 
feel that maybe doing God's will is not enough. You need to have a backup plan. When these things come into your life, I tell you, the moment you step out of God's will, you step into a danger zone. You step into a danger zone. So the enemy will constantly bombard with thoughts about your future. He'll make you worry about the future. Oh, look at this. How is your future going to be? You don't have any savings. Your expenses are up to the neck. You know, you, just, you earn and you spend, you earn and you spend. How are you going to do this? How are you going to handle this? These, these kind of thoughts will kind of push you to fall away from God's will. And that is when you're presenting the enemy with a very good opportunity for him to attack you. Third, the third reason why we are unable to follow God with everything that we have is because we are constantly presented with people. We are constantly presented with people who do not follow God, who are probably against God, but are very successful. You know, I've, I've heard this, I've received question very often. That how, is the, how is it that the wicked prosper? They don't follow God, they don't go to church regularly, but they are very, very prosperous. One of the things that will often happen to us, even when you go on YouTube or anywhere, is that, oh, he's 23, but it bought a, a, a bungalow worth 23 crores, or uh, he's 23, but he's a millionaire, or he's 21 and a millionaire, you know, He's, he's worth billions. You know, all these things keep just keep coming off of YouTube. I don't know about you, but I keep, somehow, you know, it just keeps popping up on my feed on, on YouTube. And, and we are constantly presented with people who are successful but do not follow God. And somewhere you will begin to wonder, what is the point of following God? You know, I look at my life, I look at my bank balance, it's all down to my probably zero or minus. But I'm praying a lot, I'm seeking the Lord a lot, but what is the point? Because the wicked are prospering. There are so many people who do not follow God, yet are very successful. You know this, when we are constantly presented with this over time, it will cause us to disobey God and disobedience opens an opportunity for the enemy to work in your life disobedience will open an opportunity for the enemy to work in your life when we see the wicked prospering we shouldn't be worried by that because we don't follow God for personal prosperity we follow God so that we can make it to heaven we follow God because we love Him, not because we want riches in this world. Many times we have a different idea of God. We believe that if we are God's children, only blessings. If we are God's children, no sickness. If we are God's children, no persecution. <laughs> I tell you, it's all going to come. It's all going to come. But we have to handle all of that cheerfully. Not by complaining, saying, oh, look at the wicked. Look at them, they are prosperous. Because when we begin to think that way, it will cause us to disobey God. It will cause us to be adamant. And when disobedience comes into our life, it is a very good ground for the enemy to work. And that is why Paul the Apostle writes like this, do not give the enemy a foothold. When you allow fear to enter into your life, when you allow worries to come into your life, and when you are constantly thinking, that people who aren't following God are successful. What is the point of my life? When you constantly allow that thought, 
you are opening yourself for an attack and many of you are going through the cycle in your life and that is why many are unable to follow god with everything that they have they know what the word of god says they know what the bible teaches yet they know what the bible teaches yet it's a difficulty in following god i pray that church that we will learn to look into the lord no matter what fear comes our way and let's not take fear too lightly let's not take worries too lightly if there is a constant worry in your life deal with it in prayer don't try to deal with it all by your strength and your own mental strategy deal with it in prayer because worry is an arrow it's a flaming arrow the enemy has shot that arrow at you and you're maintaining that arrow and you're wondering okay one day i believe this fire will be put off no you can only put it off the works of the enemy you can only destroy the works of the enemy in prayer and that is why the bible says pray without ceasing pray without ceasing when you constantly pray i tell you shackles will break this morning i was i was just in a time of prayer and i was seeking the lord god reveal certain things to me and i began to pray specifically over those things and i can tell you it was just a few minutes of prayer but i felt so relieved in my heart so relieved in my spirit see when you seek the lord and and ask him god there is a problem there is something that's happening i don't know what is it would you help me would you help me when you ask the lord he will show it to you he will reveal what is it that's keeping you down what is it that's keeping you down the moment you pray about it specifically things will change things will change i've been speaking about spiritual warfare prayers in the bible study and i encourage you to participate in the session because i'm going to talk more about praying a spiritual warfare prayer and let me share a small gist of that here spiritual warfare prayer is not about praying in tongues it's not about making those long prayers but it's, it's all about finding that specific issue and standing in prayer till the issue is resolved that is what it is all about paul says pray in the spirit at all times it simply means pray those prayers guided by the holy spirit we misinterpret that passage pray in the spirit that means pray in the tongues all no 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 that's not what the bible is teaching us it means pray those spirit pray those prayers that are guided by the spirit of god when you ask god holy spirit help me holy spirit tell me what the problem is he will begin to minister to you and reveal those things that are like a stronghold in your life and when you ask god for that specifically that fear will leave those worries will leave the disobedience will leave your life and you will be able to worship him with everything that you have amen amen can we look into the lord in prayer right now maybe there is an area of life where you feel like you know i'm, I'm i don't know i'm i've grown weak there was a time when i used to you might say there was a time when i used to study the word of god in and out but today i don't have that interest anymore I don't have the drive anymore. There was a time when I was all about fulfilling the will of God but today I'm just looking for survival. God desires that we love him with everything that we have with everything that we have. A regular church attendance is not enough. Tithing, giving offerings not enough. many times we 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 trick ourselves thinking okay 
I'm doing all these things and I'm right with the Lord. No. God desires that we love him with everything that we have. That is primary. That is what God desires more than our giving. He does not delight in those things, but he rejoices when his child, when his children turn to him and say, "Lord, I love you." And hearts and minds turn to him. That is what gives God great delight. And I pray that church that we will be a generation. We will be a people group that will love God with everything that we have. Everything that we have. Can we look into the Lord in prayer? Father, we want to thank you for what you've spoken to us. Thank you for what you reminded us through your word today, Master. Thank you for reminding us once again that we have to love you with all that we have. And thank you for reminding us of the way in which the enemy attacks because of which we are unable because of which we are unable to follow you. Help us to stand up against those attacks, O oh Lord. Help us to overcome those attacks. Help us to be found in your presence day after day. Let us not give in to fear, worries, or any disobedient activities. Help us to live a life where it's all about you. Help us, O oh Master, we pray. We thank you for all that you've done this morning. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. We love you in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Let's keep our eyes closed for the benediction. May the love of the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us for now and forevermore. Amen and amen and amen.